Almighty Lord God, maker of heaven and earth, you are worthy of all honor and glory, majesty and praise. You are to be revered and worshiped with all awe and humility of heart. You are the Lord God, and there is no other. We confess our hearts are most often driven by the fear of creatures or of your creation. Our hearts tremble over temporary pleasures or even passing days. Lord, work in us, I pray this morning, a fear that comes from you and your spirit, that we may grow to understand what is the beginning of wisdom, that we may be instructed by this wisdom that you've given to us, which is a fountain of life, that we might turn away from the snares of death. Unite our hearts, I pray, to fear your name, that we may keep your commandments, which is indeed the whole duty of us this morning. Oh, put a fear in us, and that we might turn from our sin and turn to you with a fervent love, a devotion that is reveling in your presence and thankful for your grace and mercy to us this morning. May our devotion, our fear, be one that pleases you. And may it be one that is strengthened and encouraged this morning and forevermore. We ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ, who is the one described as faithful and true, our only judge and the King of kings. It is in his name we ask these things and pray this morning. Amen. Amen. Well, it wasn't too many generations ago that the church was not so intentional to impress their community, to try to prove itself to be relevant or needing to gather crowds for the, from the society. But instead, the church was focused on one object, was focused on God, His holiness, His transcendence, His, his worth. Worship was something that was weighty. People didn't come to church for a pick-me-up or to be informed or even encouraged, but instead, men and women, boys and girls, came to church because they desired to do business with God. And they knew as they gathered with God's people, they would be turned to Him. A long time ago, that was the case in many churches. Today, those kinds of churches are hard to find. Churches that revel in who God is instead of in what the culture is doing around them. During that day, there, were, there was a title for men and women, specifically those men and women who genuinely pursued the Lord, who wanted to follow after the Lord, who were seeking to obey His commandments and to live in a way that honored the Lord. These men or women would be called a God-fearing man or a God-fearing woman. When was the last time you heard that phrase? For many of us, it's probably been a really long time. Some of you may never have heard that phrase. A God-fearing woman. A God-fearing man. Could that be said of you? If somebody was going to describe you, would they say, that's a man or that's a woman who fears God? Sometimes that phrase is used today, but usually it's used for somebody who is always stern, never happy. Life is always legalistic and demanding and never, and never something we could enjoy. Sometimes it's used in a derogatory sense. It's used in a negative sense. But a God-fearing man and a God-fearing woman 
during the day that I'm talking about was a good thing. It was something that men and women should pursue. What boys and girls, what you were trying to raise your boys and girls to be. God-fearing men. God-fearing women. This morning we're going to reflect on this theme of the fear of God. Because, let's be honest, where is the fear of God today? Where is the fear of God? Not only in the world that we're in, the, the people that we're around, but where's the fear of God in churches today? It doesn't exist. Too often there's more emphasis on all kinds of light and trivial things than upon the weightiness of a holy and majestic God. Well, this morning, I hope that we can get a grasp of what this term means, how we can understand its value and its importance, not only personally, but also corporately. My desire is that we can kind of get our hands around this and begin understanding this and begin praying this for one another. And that the Lord will allow us to do that. And honestly, brothers and sisters, uh, if this is, if the, I hope this lands on you as it did me. This was valuable for me this week. The only regret I have is that I, I think I need about three more weeks to allow this message to seep into my heart so that I can feel most confident about preaching it. Um, I did not, I do not feel confident in this. I'm simply going to share with you how the Word of God has, has confronted my heart this week. And allowed the Lord to, to just really shape me and, and, and stabilize me and discipline me in so many ways. And, and Lord willing, he will do the same for you by the power of his spirit this morning. So last week we looked together at Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verses 1 through 7. I trust you still have it open there before you. And as we look through this, we noticed that there was, there was this, this, this warning to guard your steps when you go into the house of God. When you, when you come here on Lord's Day, do not do it. With, with flippantness, with, with, with triteness. Instead, you need to guard your steps. You need to be careful to know that you're coming before the very face of God. And this is something we need to take with seriousness, with earnestness. Now, it goes on. It says some of the ways that we can guard our steps is first by uh, when we draw near to listen is better than to offer sacrifice to fools. In other words, when we're listening to God's word being brought forward, we are to be, we're to be careful. We're to, we're to be seeking for God to speak to us as we hear his words. When we draw near to listen to the Lord, this is better than bringing a sacrifice. It is, it is an aim of ours to be diligent and fervent in the listening. But then it goes on and it says, not only when we listen to God's word when we come to the house of God, but when we pray. Verse 2, do not be rash with your mouth. Let your heart not be hasty to utter a word before the Lord. When we come to the Lord in prayer, that we're, guide, we're guarded, we're careful. Why? Because we're coming before the very God of heaven. We can't do that with ease or as if we're just simply strolling into a room. This is a weighty matter. And then in verse 4, we notice it talks about making vows or making commitments to in, in, this, in this service. When you gather in God's house and when you hear God's word declared and it's when you make these prayers to the Lord and say, Lord, here are the things that you're speaking to me about. And then you make vows not only to the Lord but to one another and say, this is how I desire to live in light of the word of God. When you make those vows, don't make them lightly. You're not making them to some man in the clouds. You're making them to God alone. And then he ends, the preacher, Solomon, ends this text, verses 1 through 7, by saying, what is it that will cause us, what's the thing that will motivate us to guard our steps when we come into the house of God? Look at the very end there. But God is the one you must fear. Do you see that? 
This will be our jump off point this morning. What does it mean then for us to fear God? What does it mean for us to fear the Lord as he has called us to? If we must fear the Lord God, then we want to, I pray this morning, pause and take a a Sunday and look together at what it means to fear the Lord. So our regular diet of verse by verse going through the passage is going to be paused, and we're going to be looking all over the Bible. Now, we're going to be looking at various texts. I'll be reading some and moving on, and then there's others that I'm going to want you to turn to. Now, that's unusual for some of you. We, we usually stay right in one text. But when I want you to turn to a particular text for, for helping everybody, um, I will tell you, please turn here, and I will try to give you the page number of the Bibles that are, that are provided for you. That way you'll have an idea that I'm, I'm wanting you to actually look at that text together. And there's a handful of those that we're going to be doing that with this morning. But before we get into the text, let's look at the, 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 the outline for the sermon, the framing of this theme together this morning as we look at this theme of the fear of the Lord. Here's the frame that we're going to work on. Point number one, the essence of the fear of the Lord. The essence of the fear of the Lord. Point number two, the value of the fear of the Lord. The value of the fear of the Lord. And then point number three, the source of the fear of the Lord. The essence of this fear, the value of this fear, and point number three, the source of this fear. And we're going to be looking at various texts throughout our Bible to consider this. Let me ask you this question. Do you fear the Lord? Do you fear the Lord? What do you understand? What are you thinking of when you think of that question? How are you evaluating that? How do you understand that very phrase, fear of the Lord? Well, left to ourselves, we will wrongly understand that every single time. What is the fear not? What is this fear of God not? What is it it not like? Let's look first at the essence of the fear of God. And let's look together at how we often get it wrong. In fact, there's a particular kind of fear that is not good. And it's even condemned in Scripture. The the most... Well-known verse about this is 2 Timothy 1.7. It says, for God, gave us, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So there's a, a spirit of, of fear that the Lord does not give to us. There's something we're not to have here, this, this understanding of fear. The, the Bible tells us that we're not to fear, for example, others. So we're not to fear others. Proverbs 29.25 says, the fear of man lays a snare. But whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. And so we're not to fear others. We're not commended to fear in that way. The Bible also tells us, and this is a big one. It's in many, many verses. I'm only going to read three. But the Lord tells us not to fear, and I'm I'm labeling it in this category. The Lord tells us not to fear the what ifs. Have you ever feared the what ifs in your life? What if this happens? What if that happens? What if these things go wrong? What if those things go away? The what ifs, the Lord tells us not to fear those. In fact, in Proverbs 28.1, the wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. Psalm 53.5, there they are in great terror where there is no terror. There are those who fear those things that have not yet happened, but they might. Matthew 10.28, all of us know this verse, and do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, right? We're not to fear those who can only kill the body but can't kill the soul. 
the Bible tells us not to fear our false assumptions of God. Now, the children that are here this morning, um, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to do something for me, and I want you to, to use this as an opportunity to give this to your, to your dad later today, okay? So I want you to draw me a picture, and here's the picture I want you to draw. I want you to draw yourself in front of the biggest, hungriest-looking, most ferocious lion that you can draw, okay? I want you to draw that lion, and then I want, to draw, I want you to draw yourself in front of that lion, and I want, I want you to draw as clear as you can what your face is going to look like if you're in front of that lion, okay? Now, you may want to draw some other picture or some other thing. Now, later on, I want you to take that picture that you draw. You can show it to me after church if you, if you like. I'd love to see it. But I want you to take that picture, and I want you to take it back to your dad, and I want you to ask your dad to help you understand why Pastor Shane wanted you to draw this picture this morning. And dads, I want you to help your children understand the difference between fearing creatures and creation and how that's not what God calls us to, and that what God's called us to is to fear Him. That the same, that, 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 that the same kind of word that's being used here, this fear, is something we're to give to the Lord. But in a different way, when we're confronted with something that scares us, that frightens us, like this lion that these children are drawing, we know that lion has all kinds of power. It's very strong. It has the ability to, to do whatever it wants to with us. And the reason we fear this lion is because... We don't know what it's going to do. Is it going to eat us? Is it going to attack us? You've been to the zoo, and I've been close to the lions. They usually keep those pretty far away. But have you ever been to the zoo when the gorilla's right up at the glass? That's frightening. Like, there's no playing around with me when the, when the gorilla's right up at the glass because I'm, I'm thinking, what in the world's going to happen? But the fact that the glass is there helps us because we hope it can't get through, Right? We have that kind of view of God. We know he's powerful. We know he's almighty. We know he's strong. But so many of us doubt whether he's good and whether he's always going to be good. We begin thinking in our hearts and our minds. We become frightened like that child before the lion because we don't know whether today he'll love us and tomorrow he'll hate us. And that's, a, that's, that's, that's fearing an assumption that we made of God instead of fearing what God says he is in his word. Do you see the distinction, brothers and sisters? We cannot fear these things. We cannot fear man. We cannot fear the what-ifs. We cannot fear our assumptions about God that we make for ourselves and that are not true of Scripture. Psalm 34, 9 through 10 says this, Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lion suffers want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. The point is, is that when we fear with a panic or with an anxiety, with this terror motivating our hearts because we're, we're fearful of losing or being affected by creatures or creation, then those things are condemned in Scripture. That kind of fear is condemned in Scripture. It is not what we are talking about this morning. It is not the kind of fear that we're going to be focusing on this morning. So what is that fear that we're going to be looking at this morning? This fear that comes from God's Spirit. This fear that is good for us. 
This is another kind of fear that's talked about in Scripture often, and we're going to look at many of those passages. This fear is not a terror. It's not anxious panic. But instead, this kind of fear can better be described as reverence. This fear can also or is also translated in many of the English translations as awe. It is a veneration. It is an honoring of God for who he is. This is the kind of fear that I want us to look at this morning. This is the kind of fear that's a healthy fear, a faithful fear. When we pray for the Lord to grant us fear, ask the Lord to grant us a faithful, a healthy, a biblical fear. Now, fear is hard for us to understand. In fact, uh, the more I, I read on it, the more I felt like I can't define it, but I can describe it. Um, it's better to, to describe the elements of it and what it looks like and some of the ways that it's translated than trying to define it. Instead, try to describe it. So let me describe it in this way. Godly fear, the fear that the Lord wants us to have, the, the fear that the Spirit of God gives to us has three elements. And here are the three elements of the kind of fear that God wants us to have. The three elements that are necessary for us to understand or to fear God rightly and faithfully is this. First, the Lord is unlike us. The Lord is unlike us. In other words, this is a faithful understanding of his character, of who God is. That he's not just in a, a bigger, larger, more amazing category than we are in. No, he is, he, is, he is the creator. We are the creation. He's completely other and transcendent. He is almighty, king of kings, lord of lords. He is God. He is Yahweh. So the first element of fearing God rightly is that we understand that he is unlike us. The Lord is unlike us. The second element is this. The Lord is before us. This is what we read in our catechism question this morning, right? The Lord is before us, meaning that everything we do, we are in his presence. Every word we say, and listen, listen, even children, listen to this. Even every thought you have, every thought you have, even the words that don't come out of your mouth, but that you, the thought that you have in your, in, in, in your, in your head, or the, the, the desire that you have in your heart, those things are before the Lord. They're before God. And so the first element is the Lord is unlike us. This is a faithful understanding of his character. The second element is the Lord is before us. This is a faithful understanding of his presence. Third is the Lord is over us. This is the third element. The Lord is over us. And here I want us to understand this is a faithful understanding of his lordship. Meaning that he deserves everything. He deserves all of us. Isn't it then foolish when we think we can go to our room and turn on a lamp where the rest of the room is dark and go onto our computers and look at things as if no one's watching? Because someone is watching. Isn't it even more amazing to know that before we ever did that action, the Lord knew our heart? He knows our intentions. We need to live that way again. We have lost that today. We have, we have shunned that. Our secular society has convinced us that the only thing that's real is material. The only thing that matters is what we can tangibly put our hands on. But that's not true. These three elements are required for us to faithfully and help, in a healthy way fear the Lord. Is your life... Is your life 
determined by an understanding of who God is, his presence, and his lordship. And so now that we have a better idea of what we're looking at, what we're trying to aim for, let's turn now to point number two, the value. Um, I almost entitled this the necessity of the fear of God or the value of the fear of God. So point number two, the value of the fear of God, fear of the Lord. And um, let's look together at the, now that we've understood the essence of the fear of the Lord, let's look at why the fear of the Lord is so valuable, so important, so necessary. And because it's been lost for most of us, many of us, as I even said, none of us really think in the category of the fear of the Lord. Many of us have never heard someone referred to as a God-fearing man or a God-fearing woman. Then really, is it all that important? Does it really matter? Does it really matter whether men or women, boys and girls, are growing to be men and women that are fearing the Lord? Is this just for the leaders in the church or those who really want to do something unique for God? Is it for those who are going through difficult times only that they need the fear of the Lord because of the circumstances that are in their life? Or is this for each and every one of us? Who is it then that needs to fear the Lord? You need to fear the Lord. You need to grow in your fear of the Lord. Why is it valuable? First, it's valuable because of all of life. The fear of the Lord is necessary or valuable for all of our life. When you think about the fear of the Lord, the most, the most prominent verse many, on many people's minds is the verses that we find in Proverbs. And there it says that the fear of the Lord is like the building blocks, the beginning of everything else that we do. It's, it's like the ABCs. No matter, no matter how complicated and large the words are, how complicated the philosophy may be. If you ever read a really, really hard, dense book that has all kinds of incredible thoughts and ideas and it's hard for you to hold all these things together, those people were using the same ABCs that you know, that you learned in kindergarten, right? Because those are the building blocks of all the other vocabulary, all the other words, no matter how complicated it gets. The fear of the Lord is like those ABCs. Everything else is built on those building blocks, of the fear of the Lord. That's exactly what's being said in Proverbs 1.7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Psalm 111 verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. Many of you are aware that John Calvin wrote a book entitled The, the, uh, the religion of, uh, Institutes of the Christian Religion. Institutes of Christian Religion. It's one of the seminal works for the church even today, the Protestant church today. The very first paragraph of that book says, he's going through, he has some sentences, but then in that paragraph it goes on and it says this. Again, it is certain that man never achieves a clear knowledge of himself unless he has first looked upon God's face. He goes on. And then descends from contemplating him to scrutinize himself. And so after he considers with care who God is, he then can better scrutinize and, 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 and contemplate his own heart and who he is as a, as a man. For we always seem to ourselves righteous and upright, wise and holy. This pride is innate in all of us. 
unless by clear proofs we stand convinced of our own unrighteousness, fullness, folly, and impurity. However, we are not thus convinced if we look merely to ourselves and not also to the Lord, who is the sole standard by which this judgment must be measured. It's interesting here. He goes on and says, we will either, if we're not looking to God first and fearing Him and contemplating Him first, we will either make too much of ourselves. We will say, well, I'm okay. I mean, I'm better than that person next to me. I'm okay. There's, I'm good in, in a general sense. Or you'll go the other direction and you'll so demoralize yourself and say, there's no worth in me no matter what. And then he describes it this way. He says, it's like a man who's only seen black all of his life. He's only seen darkness. And then there comes a day when a pinhole of light comes into his life and he automatically thinks, that's dirty. That's dirty. And he tries to clean it off only for more light to start coming in. And he begins thinking, there is filth coming in at every, at every pore. When in fact, it's the very light itself. He makes the wrong conclusions of who he is because he doesn't first consider his God. The very building blocks of our knowledge, the very building blocks of our wisdom, according to Proverbs, is the fear of the Lord. It's coming before the Lord and acknowledging him to be God, creator, maker of heaven and earth, and knowing who he is. We will get it wrong every single time if we begin by gazing at our own belly button. And then trying to figure out life from there. It will go wrong every single time. So the beginning of our lives necessarily need to be understood by first the fear of the Lord. And then every step along in our lives. In fact, the Lord has said, and this may seem to be a very odd truth. The very ability for us to have the very source of all of our joy, all of our hope, and all of our blessedness in life is the fear of the Lord. Do you, is your life marked by joy, hope, blessedness, a satisfied soul? Is that you? Then you are pursuing the fear of the Lord. If your life is not marked by those things, then listen to what God's Word says. God's Word says that our lives will be racked with turmoil, dread, and fears of a thousand kinds unless we turn and fear Him. Listen to Psalm 128.1. Psalm 128.1 says, Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord. Did you hear that? Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in His ways. Do you believe that? That's true. Now, you may be sitting there thinking, well, that's not true for me. Well, that, that's because you're a liar. And you're believing that lie. Right? Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. We will lie to ourselves and say that's not true. Proverbs 28, 14. Blessed is the one who fears the Lord always, but whoever hardens his heart will fall into calamity. That is true. And that will be true a thousand years after you're dead. Blessed is the one, Proverbs 28, 14. Blessed is the one who fears the Lord always. But whoever hardens his heart will fall into calamity. So I just read Psalm 128, 1, and Proverbs 28, 14. I know those of you who are trying to take notes want to get these verses down. And I will tell you when I want you to turn to a passage. We're still with our Bibles open in Ecclesiastes 5 right now. This is how, this is how we're to drink 
deeply of the blessings and joy of God every single day. Listen to Proverbs 14.27. Proverbs 14.27 says this, The fear of the Lord is the fountain of life. Do you think of the fear of the Lord as something that will give you rejoicing, will give you pleasure, will give you hope, is the fountain of life? This is what this is. Fear the Lord. Reverence Him. Honor Him. Fear the Lord. Proverbs, 24, or Proverbs 14, 27. The fear of the Lord is the fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares of death. You want to stop trembling when you think of death or the difficulty of death? Not only the death that's in your life, but the death of those that are around you? Fear the Lord. Because in the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. And it says it will turn us away from the snares of death. Proverbs 19.23. Listen to this fantastic, glorious truth. This is true. Proverbs 19.23. The fear of the Lord leads to life. Now listen to how it ends. And whoever has it rests satisfied. He will not be visited by harm. Did you hear that? What a glorious passage. The fear of the Lord leads to life. And whoever has it rests satisfied. He will not be visited by harm. It seems that not only the beginning of our life should be marked by the fear of the Lord, but it seems that every single step along the way in our lives should be marked by the Lord. And then finally, as we... Remember in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13, the very last verse of Ecclesiastes, it says that our lives, according to the wisest man, Solomon, the preacher who's writing the book of Ecclesiastes, he's evaluated and studied all of life and all the experiences in life. And he says, everything I've looked at, I've considered, I've evaluated. And he says this, he says, this is how our lives will be evaluated. This is how our lives will be assessed at the very last day. Did you fear the Lord? Ecclesiastes 12, 13. The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. In other words, this is how each and every one of us will be evaluated in the last very moment, the last very breath, the last, very, the la the last glimpse of our eyes will be evaluated in this way. Did that man or woman fear the Lord? Did they fear the Lord? So it's the sum measure of all of our lives. It's the building blocks of the beginning of our lives. It's the, it's, the, it's the every single day pursuing the joy and satisfaction in Christ. The fear of the Lord is that. And then, and then it's the very essence of how we're going to evaluate our lives at the very end. This fear of the Lord is absolutely vital. It's vital for all of our life. But notice as well, secondly, the fear of the Lord is necessary or important or valuable for casting out all other fears. You have the option today to continue to fear the thousands of things that this world brings before you or to eradicate each and every one of them by fearing the one true God. Some of you are here thinking this morning, I don't know if I want to live in fear. I mean, I want to be free. I want the, the endless summer kind of life. I want the, the, beat, the chair um, on, on the beach um, and relaxing. I don't want a planned, uh, concerned, bound life. But here's the, here's the point. 
that many of us do not understand. Our lives are racked with fear. We have thousands of them. And if you don't fear all the things that everybody else fears, then you're going to fear the things that you want to try to hold on to, like the easy, comfortable life that has no, that has no concerns. No, there are people that fear that. They fear that they're going to lose that. They're going to lose their, their easy, laid-back, easy-going lives. The point is, is that there are thousands and thousands of fears that can be overcome by the one fear that is the right fear for us, and that is the fear of God. The fear of God drives out all other fears. It's important for us to understand that our hearts will naturally fear something. So the question isn't, well, I don't want to fear anything ever. Well, that's not going to happen. Um, our minds, our logic is tainted and broken by sin, but it has enough sense to realize that we're frail, we're finite, and we are weak. And here's the kicker for all of us, many of us. You, need to make, you may need to say this out loud to yourself sometime later on today. So hear this. You and I, we're not sovereign. We're not. And we never will be. You can keep being frantic and crazy about your life, trying to make everything under your lordship and rule, but guess what? It'll never happen. Why? Because God is not going to give you that spot because it's his. We have thousands of fears. Turn with me, if you will, to Psalm 34. This is the psalm that we opened with this morning. It was the call to worship for us this morning. So Psalm 34. This is page 547, if you're using the Bibles that we provide for you. Psalm 34. Do a little Bible study, Bible reading here. Psalm 34. Look at me as verse 3. In Psalm 34. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord. And he answered me. And delivered me. Look at this. From all my fears. You see that? The Lord will do that. The Lord can do that. In fact, let me say it this way. Only the Lord can do this. Is deliver us from all of our fears. Don't turn to anyone or anything else. A better paying job will not fix your fears. A different spouse will not fix your fears. A different set of kids, a different scenario, a different place in town will not fix your fears. This, will, this is what will fix your fears. It is to seek the Lord that he might answer us and deliver us. For only from his hand will all our fears be delivered. Those who look to him, verse 5, are radiant. Their faces shall not be ashamed. The poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of his troubles. Listen, the angel of the Lord encamps around who? What does it say there? Those who fear him, and he delivers them. Do you see that there in verse 7? This is true. Your heart and your mind says, oh, no, no, that, this can't. No, no, this is true. This is, tr- this is more true than what you feel and what you think. This is true. Let's continue. In verse 8, it says, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. 
Listen, verse 9. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. Why? For those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer, the young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Verse 11. Come, O children. Listen to me. This is the Lord calling you this morning by His Spirit. Come, O children, listen to me, and I will teach you this glorious, wonderful thing. He says, I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What a blessing. What a blessing that is. The Lord says that when we fear Him, we will have no lack. We will have all good things. All other fears will be eradicated. It's exactly what John says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love does what? Cast out fear. It casts out fear. When we understand and when we receive and when we grasp this love, this goodness that the Lord has promised us in Jesus Christ, His Son. So, this fear is for all of life. This fear helps us overcome all other fears. Thirdly, I want us to notice the value of fear. This value, this importance, this necessity of fear is fear is necessary for any growth that we may have in grace. Any step forward in grace and in growth and sanctification, any, any of that comes from the fear of the Lord. This is why the fear of the Lord is valuable. If we're going to turn from sin, we've got to first fear the Lord. Proverbs 16.6 says, By steadfast love and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for. And by the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. The reason you sinned yesterday, the reason you sinned this morning, was because you were not rightly fearing the Lord. You were not rightly resting in Him, finding Him as your refuge and your good, your blessing, your satisfaction. The fear of the Lord turns away, causes one to turn away from evil. That's the Old Testament. The New Testament says in 2 Corinthians 7.1, Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit. Now listen to this last part of verse 1 of 2 Corinthians 7. Bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. Do you see that? How is holiness and being complete in Christ... How is that connected to the fear of God? It is in the fear of God that we become holy and we are drawn to Him and we become complete or satisfied in Him. Philippians 2.12 says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but also much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. We will not step one Step in the right direction in our spiritual growth unless we first, unless we first come to the Lord with fear. In this fear of the Lord, this is what motivates, this is what directs us, this is what gives us the, the energy to move forward in grace and in sanctification. It's interesting. The very way that we can measure whether this church is being faithful or not is by whether men and women, boys and girls, are growing in their fear of the Lord. The very measuring stick that we can use for our congregation of whether it's being what God's called it to be. It's not, it's not buildings. It's not bodies. It's not our budget. It is instead the fear of the Lord. Is our men and women fearing God? Are they growing in this fear of the Lord? 
Acts chapter 9 verse 31 talks about this early church and how in the book of Acts it is described in a certain way saying this is what the church is doing as the Holy Spirit's working in their midst. Acts chapter 9 verse 31. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. Now listen to this. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. What a blessing. They were walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And this is what caused them to multiply. Not gimmicks, not gadgets, not a slick web page. It wasn't all these other secular worldly things. It was the fear of the Lord. It was the comfort of the Holy Spirit that caused that congregation in Acts 9 to grow. Finally, I want to say that the fear of the Lord is necessary or valuable, useful for every single one of our callings. Every place that we are called to be faithful, God has said that the fear of the Lord should be there to motivate us to do this. And this just makes sense. So it's not only a biblical truth that is in Scripture, but it just makes sense. Turn with me, if you will, to Ephesians chapter 5. So we're going to the New Testament. Ephesians chapter 5. Page number 1,162, page number 1,162, if you're using the Bibles, they're provided for you. Ephesians chapter 5. So the fear of the Lord isn't just so that we can grow spiritually. So that we can be a man of God or a woman of God in a, in a spiritual sense. And that's kind of the category that sometimes we think about. And then, and then we'll go home. And this afternoon or tomorrow morning we have to go to work. We have to do all the things we call to do. Is, is the fear of the Lord for those times as well? Well, absolutely. Look with me at chapter 5 of Ephesians, verse 21. And look at the banner that is over all of these different callings that Paul's getting ready to go through. And the banner that's over all of these is Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. And it says this. Look at me. Look with me. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. It's actually separated by paragraph. It's a, it's a poor break in the ESV rendering of this. But verse 21 is actually a heading, a banner over all these, other, all these other callings. It says, submitting to one another out of reverence. That's the word for fear. Out of reverence for Christ. And so out of, out of reverent fear for Christ, we're to be submitting to one another. Now, let me ask you this. Do you naturally, will you naturally do that always? As you should, submit to one another, serve one another, love one another, lay your life down, give and serve. Will you do that naturally? Not at all. Not me. I won't. I'll give up 20 seconds in. Unless the fear of the Lord is motivating me. Unless I realize that I am, that God in all of, he, of who he is, that I am before him and that he is Lord. Those are the three elements of what the fear of the Lord is. If I recognize that, then out of that reverence for Christ, out of that fear of the Lord... We can, verse 22, ladies, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. How in the world will you ever do that? You won't in your own strength. You will not do that. And you will, you will think of a thousand different ways to subvert that very command. Unless you fear the Lord. Husbands, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives, but just don't love your wives in any way you think is best. Instead, do, use this as an example. Use the very Son of God as your example. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And what's the primary way that we love our wives? This is how we love our wives. How does Christ love the church? He gave himself for her. That's how we love our wives. We give ourselves for them. Now, 
Men, will you do that naturally? Wake up every morning and say, you know what? It is my greatest desire today to give myself to my spouse. Not at all. Unless you're gripped with the fact that you stand before a holy God that's called you to this thing. And yes, you and your spouse are sinners. And wives will not submit to their husbands. Husbands will not love their wives as they ought unless they know that they're before the very face of the holy God that are motivating them. Well, let's not leave it just husbands and wives. Let's pick on the children a little bit. Children, did you know that in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1, look down there, Ephesians chapter 6, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Do you want to obey your parents? No, you don't. Your heart doesn't desire that. Unless you have the fear of God in you, you will not obey your parents. Parents, this is helpful for us as well, isn't it? Because we realize their obedience ultimately and finally has more to do with our prayers than with our discipline. We pray for God to place a holy fear in their hearts that they'll love God and desire to obey you out of a love for the Lord. That's why it says here, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Ephesians 6.1. Also, fathers... Since it's Father's Day, here's our Father's Day verse. Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. How are you guys doing on that? Let's put that on a scale and say, how, how are we doing on that? We fail every single time we take a step unless we know that this calling that's so persistent and never lets up and is always in front of us, unless we're before God, we will never do this faithfully. Ephesians 6, 5 says, bondservants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ. Colossians actually does this better. Colossians actually expounds this and says, the very context, the very air that we're breathing as we work and go to our jobs each day should be the air of the fear of God. Colossians 3, 22, verses 22 through 24 Colossians 3, 22 through 24 says this, bondservants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart. Listen, fearing the Lord. This is, how you're to, this is how you're to work for your employers. Not with eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily. Ask for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. You are, you are working, you are fulfilling your callings before the very face of God. This fear of the Lord then is valuable for all of our life. It is valuable for our devotion to the Lord Jesus as we cast out all other fears. It is valuable for our sanctification. There's not a step of, of growth in grace that will happen unless we have the fear of the Lord. It is valuable for our day-to-day -day vocations in every aspect of our lives. Brothers and sisters, the fear of the Lord is the air that we breathe. When we breathe in and we breathe out, we are to be breathing the fear of the Lord, asking the Lord to grant us more and more of this glorious gift that we will be motivated and encouraged toward our Lord in that way. So if it is this valuable, and this is, it is this necessary for us in our lives, it is, it is in every pore of everything we do, then the question then, thirdly and finally, the final point is the source of the fear of the Lord. How do we, if it's this comprehensive, how do we then obtain it? How do we grow in it? How do we continue in the fear of the Lord? How do we get it? How do, how do we bring it into our lives? How do we receive it? 
we need to acknowledge first and foremost that the fear of the Lord doesn't just happen. No one has ever stumbled into the fear of the Lord. You will not automatically or naturally find the fear of the Lord just by wandering around or drifting in your life. It is not something that will just kind of uh, hit you broadside. Abraham, as he was wandering around in Canaan, he went from town to town. And you remember he kept giving his wife, Sarah, to the kings to keep himself alive? The king asked him one time, he says, why did you give me your wife? This is, this is insane. Why would you do this? Abraham automatically assumed something about every place he went. And this is a good assumption for us to have, for all of Abraham's faults. This is a good assumption for us to have. Listen to what Abraham says. In Genesis chapter 20, verse 11, Abraham said, I did it because I thought there is no fear of God at all in this place, and they will kill me because of my wife. Everywhere we go, we need to assume that there is no fear of God in this place. And we need to know that this is a rare commodity. It's not something that we will get automatically. It's not something that is in every realm or every place that we go. It is something that must be pursued. It's something that must be received by our God. Paul, as he is quoting Psalm 36 in the famous passage in Romans chapter 3. Remember Romans chapter 3 talks about how evil and wicked and how vile and sinful everybody is. There's none who's, who's, who's without sin. All are sinners and fall short of the glory of God. In Romans chapter 3, verse 18, Paul picks up on a passage in Psalm 36, and he says this, There is no fear of God before their eyes. That's how he describes all of humanity. There is no fear of God before our eyes. So how do we get this fear? I want to to caution you at this point. My encouragement up to this point has been that you fear the Lord. Right? You are going to be apt to think that you can take some of these things that you learned today and then add them to the big piece of understanding you have of the fear of the Lord and that you're going to have a pretty good idea of how you should proceed. Um, Jettison that idea. Anything you bring to this that's not the Word of God, you're going to mess up the fear of God by believing that about it. Right? So my encouragement to you is just simply refuse to allow your understanding of the fear of the Lord to be shaped by your assumptions that you're bringing to it. And be careful. Evaluate your heart. Because you bring a lot of assumptions about what you think God is or what He should be before you, before you come to the Word of God. So my encouragement is this. What's one of the sources? We don't naturally get it. What's the source of the fear of the, Word of God, of, of the fear of the Lord? The fear of God? The source is, the vital source is, the Word of God itself. In order for us to grow in any way, we must come to the Word of God. The Word of God is the key to fearing the Lord faithfully and rightly. There is no fear of God without being exposed first to the reading and hearing and especially to the preaching of God's Word. This is why we gather every Lord's Day. This is why we come together. It's so that we can be reminded again that the Lord is not trite and to be trifled with. He is one who's almighty, majestic, and awesome in all that He is. And this morning as we come together, we came together and we read Psalm 34, 11 this morning. It says, come, O children, listen to me and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. This is what the Lord wants to teach us every Lord's Day when we gather. Is that what you're praying? Is that what you're praying for your children? That the Lord will teach you and teach them how to fear Him better, more faithfully? 
or maybe for your children, that the Lord may place a fear in their heart for the first time, quicken them and help them see that they must do business with God. This is what we should be praying. We gather this morning that every man and woman, boy and girl, may come face to face with the Word of God and realize they must do business with the one who is their maker. And they're not the ones that draw out the terms. We're not the ones who make an agreement with God. Hey, you do your part, I'll do my part. We come before God and we land on our face. And we say, oh Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Now, what are these steps for this pursuing the word? Turn with me, if you will, to Proverbs 2. So we're turning back. Turning all over our Bibles this morning. It's good. Remember, uh, none, none of you remember this. About four or five of you in here know this. You know what uh, Bible drills, right? There's only, there's only like 10 of you in here to may even know what that is, but that's what we're doing this morning, Bible drills. Uh, Proverbs 2. If you have a question about what a Bible drill is, ask Mark Gray. He will, he will get one started. Next week we'll have Sovereign Grace Bible drills because Mr. Mark will, knows exactly what that is. All right, Proverbs 2. Proverbs 2. Many of you, I've sat in the office back there in the fellowship hall or off the fellowship hall. I've come to your your house or you've sat with me. And I've tried to point you to a truth about God. I've tried to encourage you in Christ. I've tried to say, here's the truth that you're not believing about the Lord. And I I want to give you this passage. I want you to spend some time reading it, thinking through it, saying it to yourself, preaching this passage to yourself. Yeah, I, I, I've read that before. I know that verse. It, that doesn't help. I mean, I, 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 I know that verse since I was a kid. I, I can say it right now. Say it by memory. But uh, Say that verse. See, it doesn't help. This is why. Because these aren't words from men. This isn't poetry from Shakespeare. This is the word of God. And we aren't to simply acknowledge the facts of this word. We're to allow this word by the power of the Spirit to, to triumph over those things that are in our hearts that are opposed to God's word. That's what it means to be a Christian. And so look with me at Proverbs 2. When, when we're talking about pursuing the fear of the Lord and doing that by allowing the word of God to be in our lives, we're not talking about just simply passively sitting here, sipping our coffee and letting the sermon kind of wash over us every Sunday and then leaving and never talking about it, never thinking about it again, but thinking, well, I go to church every Sunday. Why isn't the Lord blessing me? Why is the Lord making things so crazy in my life? Because the Word of God is never supposed to be handled that way. It is, it is the most precious gift in all creation that God has spoken to us and He's given us a book. So Proverbs 2 then says this. It says, My son... If, if, you see that if? If you receive my words. Now how is he supposed to receive the words? And treasure up my commandments. Not just simply know them, but treasure them. Treasure up my commandments with you. Making your ear attentive to wisdom. You see the attention there? Making your ear attentive to wisdom. And inclining your heart to understanding. There's a lot of stuff going on there. This isn't just being able to quote the verse from memory without even thinking about it. This is... This is treasuring the commandments. This is making your ear attentive to wisdom. This is inclining your heart to understanding. If you receive God's word in this way, verse 3, yes, if you call out for insight, not just whisper a prayer one day a week uh, in passing, but if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, verse 4, 
is the third if. The first if is in verse 1. The second, or the second if is in verse 3. The third if is in verse 4. If you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures. If, if, if. Verse 5. Then, then you will what? Understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Are you trying to get it from anywhere else? Are you trying to get it from the Lord help you if you're trying to get it from the internet? Or from social media or from some Yahoo that's 12 years old that says he's a medical doctor and you believe it because you believe everything is online. Lord help us. We're not coming to God's word and hearing from him and diving in and receiving his word and treasuring it up and making it attentive to us and inclining our ear and calling out for him and raising our voice and seeking it as silver and for gold as if it was a hidden treasure that we may understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God and live in his presence and find there our satisfaction and our joy. All fears will be cast away. He will deliver us from each one if we pursue the word of God in this way. Brothers and sisters, this morning it may be that you simply need to say to the Lord as you leave this place, Lord, I repent of how casual, how lightly, and how little I have opened this word and spent time in it. Allowing you to shape my life instead of let the world and the culture and the things around me affect me and inform me and make me think the way the world does. I need your word. That may be what needs to happen first and foremost this morning for some of us. And as we read God's word, we must know that what we're looking at is God's word. And this word of God is not for us to simply get some helpful tip for us to make it through today. Don't imagine that the word of God is so that you can have a nugget to encourage you for the week. Some practical advice, advice so that you can endure your boss this week. That's not what the Word of God is for. To fix your spouse. That's not what the Word of God is for. To keep your kids from being so crazy. To resolve some difficult relationship you have with a friend. So many of us go to the Word of God thinking this book is about us. It's not. If we continue to go to this book as if it's the book about us, then we're going to constantly be so foolish as to think that everything is about us if we think the Word of God is about us. And we're going to continue to live with all of the despair and fear and dread that so many of us are racked with. Instead, when we read the Word of God, we're reading the Word of God so that we can know our God. He's infinitely more important, more precious, more valuable than your life and your interests and your wants and your preferences. Brothers and sisters, give yourself to fear God by seeking Him his character, his attributes. This is what we're looking for when we go to God's word. When we go and look at a passage of the scriptures, we're not simply trying to find something that will help us through the day. We're trying to see how is God being described here and how am I to alter my understanding to believe what God says here. Some people think that this, uh, this, this pursuing God, this uh, loving theology is a hobby. I and mean, there's a lot of people, I, I, I enjoy reading theology. I enjoy um, reading big books about, from old dead people about God and things of God. But this is not a hobby. People have their hobbies. They have fishing and watching sports. 
Um, and so fishing, watching sports, and Shane likes theology, and everybody's happy. We can just enjoy our own hobbies. Please, for the sake of your eternal souls, do not treat any of your hobbies as if this one's added to a list of things you need to do. Or this is one of the joys out of all that you have. In fact, I would encourage you, jettison every hobby that disrupts the ability for you to spend time with your God. Because when it's all said and done, it will be a, I've been to funerals where the entire casting was done up like the Florida Gators. I've been to funerals where the, the, the whole thing was the theme of fishing. It's, it's sad. Fools die every day. We need to be known for men or women who fear God. That's what we need to be known for. God's character is what needs to grip us. And we need to spend the time in God's word so that God can grip us. A, a quick uh, few verses to read in the morning and then quickly praying so that we can quickly get into our day and do all the other things we need to do will never work. It never should. Listen to the consequences of those who treat God's word lightly. Deuteronomy 28, verse 58. Deuteronomy 28, verse 58 says, If you are not careful to do all the words of this law that is written in this book, that you may fear this glorious and awesome name. In other words, if you are careful to do all the words that are in the law of this book, you will fear the glorious and awesome name of the Lord your God, is what it says. But he says, if you are not careful, then the Lord will bring on you and your offspring extraordinary afflictions, afflictions severe and lasting, and sickness grievous and lasting. One of my favorite books to turn to, to recalibrate my heart to who God is in all of his grandeur and majesty, is the book of Isaiah. I think Isaiah speaks of the the glory and wonder of God in ways that are so unique to, to really the rest of the Bible. He just keeps harping on it. I believe it's because of his calling. You remember Isaiah's calling? In Isaiah chapter 6, the king, in the year the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on his throne high and lifted up. The train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood seraphim, each having six wings. With two he covered their, with two he covered their face. With two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. The one calling to another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole host, whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations and the thresholds shook. At the voice of him who called and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me. This is Isaiah. For I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. You read the rest of the book of Isaiah, and over and over again, he's bringing up things like this. He's saying, he's saying to God's people, he's saying, you think, you think God and the other deities that are around you in these other nations, that they're kind of arm wrestling and nobody knows whether God's going to win or not. He says, you keep placing your, your, your faith and your hope in all of these other things, and you don't even realize that you're, what you're doing. You're saying, yeah, we can have God, but we're also supposed to believe all these other things. I mean, these people aren't just completely crazy. We should, we should believe them too, and let's, let's add their gods and our God together, and we'll have the better of all the gods. We'll bring them all together. This is what Isaiah said to that. This is what God says through Isaiah. Isaiah 45, verse 5. I am the Lord. 
there is no other. Besides me, there is no God. I equip you. Though you do not know me, that people may know from the rising of the sun and from the west there that there is none besides me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. I form light and create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. Let me ask you this morning, are you here this morning and you have never taken seriously the fear of God? You're sitting here right now wondering whether this sermon is going to go over or not. Because you want to get out of here. Let me commend you with Isaiah's words in Isaiah 50 verse 10. Isaiah 50 verse 10. Who among you fears the Lord and obeys his voice? Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the voice of God? Isaiah 50.10 continues and says, Let him who walks in darkness and has no light trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. The character of God will stir our hearts to fear him. That's another source. The word of God, the character of God. Another source is the works of God. Do you remember the story of Ananias and Sapphira? Acts chapter 5. Ananias was the husband. He comes in. Tells a lie to them saying, hey, I gave you all my money. When he didn't, he falls dead. He gets drug out. Sapphira comes in. Sapphira, his wife, comes in. He says, um, yeah, we gave you all the money. He says, are you sure? Are you sure? Because the men are standing at the door. They just drug your husband out. And she's like, uh, yeah, she does. This is at the beginning of the church. What does it say happened? It says, and great fear came upon the whole church. And upon all who heard of these things. No kidding. Right? No kidding. God was working. When God works, people fear. When God does his mighty acts, people will fear him because he is God. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12 is what read for us this morning. And it talks about the fear of the Lord. It talks about in the Old Testament how... God's people stood before the mountain and it quaked. And, and God's people were so fearful of that mountain and God being um, his lightning and smoke and all that on top of Mount Sinai that even the animals wouldn't touch the mountain because they were so fearful of it. And in Hebrews chapter 12, it goes on and it says, See that you do not refuse him who is speaking to you today. In other words, if God spoke from that mountain on that day and they feared God in that way, then Make sure that when God's speaking to you today, this morning in this sermon, do not refuse our God who's speaking to you this morning. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns us from heaven. The Lord is warning us from heaven right now by the power of his spirit that we need to fear him. At that time, his voice shook the earth. But now he has promised yet once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yes, once more, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken. That is, things that have been made. There will be a day when heaven and earth will shake. God's acts will cause fear to be in every man and woman's soul. Fear him today. Reverence him today. If not, one day you will tremble before him without Christ. Do not allow that to happen. This morning you can turn 
by faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. You can trust in the, the work of Christ on the cross. When he hung there on the cross, he received upon himself the penalty and the punishment, the wrath of God that every man and woman deserves. And by faith in Christ and what he did for us on the cross, we can be delivered, we can be forgiven, we can be pardoned. And the wrath that we deserved, he received upon himself for all of those who place their faith in him. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. Turn with me, finally, back to Ecclesiastes chapter 5. And we'll close here. My prayer is, is that as we have worked through this theme of the fear of God. The Lord has helped us understand it a little better by, as we've considered the essence of the, of the fear of the Lord. The Lord has helped us see the importance of it and the value of it, point number two. And finally, my prayer is that the Lord has helped us by His Spirit see the source of how we're to be stirred and encouraged toward the fear of the Lord by His Word, by His character, by His, by His very acting in our life and in the lives of those around us. So I want to close with this, Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Brothers and sisters, with the fear of the Lord in our hearts, I want us to begin gathering here every Lord's Day and take heed to this verse. Chapter 5, verse 1. Guard your steps when you come into the house of God. Cause the fear of the Lord to, to quicken us, to stir us, to make sure that we are careful to guard our steps when we come into the house of the Lord. To draw near to listen is better than to offer sacrifice, that we'll be, by the fear of God in our hearts, that we'll be more careful to listen to God's word, the Christ setting before us, that we may obey him and listen to him. Be not rash, verse 2, be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God in our prayers that we're not quick and trite, but we're careful. We're beckoning God himself. We're turning our hearts to him. We're calling upon his name. We should tremble. We should acknowledge what we're doing. And then finally, when we make vows before God, when we tell God, this is what you've called me to do and I want to do it with all my heart, that we do not turn away from those vows. We realize we make those vows before God. And we're to be honoring them before our Lord, that he will give us strength to do those things that he's called us to. And that we're to be faithful to serve and love those that God has called us to. And in all of those things, we need to remember, God is the one that we must fear. Let us pray.